It's time for Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM. Welcome to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. I'm your host, David Moses. You're listening to Moment of Truth. And as I say, this show is broadcast in Toronto and Ottawa, 106.5 in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa. And it is a pleasure to welcome to the show. I have with me Alison McDonald. She is a band member of the Six Nations of Grand River Territory, but she is also the candidate for the Brantford Brant area for the Liberal Party. So it's a pleasure to have her on the show. She also is a resident of Eagles Place with deep roots in the community. And as a Liberal candidate in the Brant Brantford area, Alison is committed to bringing a strong voice for the community to Ottawa. Now, she also has firsthand experience with many of the challenges that face the Brantford and Brand area. And she's also the owner and operator of a family and criminal law firm based on Six Nations. So she has seen how the COVID-19 pandemic has presented unprecedented challenges for small business owners. And she's also the mother of three. So it's a pleasure to welcome Allison to the show. Sago, Allison, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, David. It's a pleasure. Well, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. We're in the throes of this uh, very short election campaign that has been thrown at us. I believe it's the shortest one that we've ever had in the history of the country, isn't it? It sounds like it. Um, (laughs) It certainly is for me, David. (laughs) So let me ask you this. How long have you been interested in politics and when did you get involved with politics? Well, I, it's really only been about a month for me, oh, in wow. fairness. Um, no, I was uh, I was nominated uh, as the Liberal candidate only five days before the election was called. So it's been very fast and furious in terms of me, um, uh, you know, being totally immersed in the world of politics. It's a new world for me in terms of that, that aspect, but I am no stranger to you know, um, thinking on my feet, yeah. uh, trial by fire and, uh, throwing myself, you know, head first into a challenge that that's absolutely, um, one of my strengths. I think, um, I had considered running for some time. I've been approached for a couple of years mm-hmm. by different sources mm-hmm. and different people. And I kept declining and I was again approached this past winter. I declined again mm-hmm. And it really what changed my mind was the discovery of the unmarked graves mm. in uh, the late spring, early summer this year, in June in particular, and really the and, and the effects of the pandemic and where we're all at as a country and where we're at mentally as well. But really the outpouring of love and support and kindness and the awareness that particularly non-Indigenous people have demonstrated and the shock, of course, of mm. learning about this terrible history that we have, that mm. we know about, yep. and we've, we've experienced and we continue to, uh, you know, feel those effects. Um, for me, that was where I, I thought, you know, it's ever a time for me to give it a shot. Now's the time. Now's the moment. And the awareness is there. The sensitivity is at least Mm -hmm. starting to be there. And I'm really, uh, I'm really inspired also by the truth and reconciliation federal statutory holiday that is also coming up and been declared as well. So that really, you know, um, is what prompted me to put my name forward. And I was uh, very, very humbled to be selected uh, after a contested nomination to be the Liberal candidate for our riding. 
Hmm. You know, um, there are, of course, other parties that are running. And I'm wondering why, uh, why did you think that the Liberal Party was best suited for, for yourself and for what you wanted to represent? Well, for me, I am a Liberal. I, have, okay. I joined the Liberal Party around 2008, and I have supported the Liberals since then. Mm-hmm. Um, I was initially inspired by Sophie Gregoire Trudeau. She was a journalist originally, mm-hmm. and I would be reading her articles, and one in particular in Chatelaine, where she interviewed Margaret Trudeau, and that was where I learned, oh my goodness, about this this wonderful, powerful a positive female and in Sophie and who happened to be dating, of course, Justin at the time and engaged to him. And she was really who, you know, I, I also became a mother uh, in 2006 and, um, you know, I decided I've got my business. I'm growing up. I have to, I think it's my civic responsibility to decide on a party and join one and the liberal party for me represents what I believe in, in terms of social justice, obviously in terms of families position. Uh, we're always, of course, um, wanting more for Indigenous policy. And I'm very, at least in terms of the platform that they've presented now, very inspired by that. But I'm certainly not a conservative. Um, I'm not, you know, I don't have a law and order um, outlook about me. Mm. And obviously I'm, I'm, I act for vulnerable people and I act against the government, whether I'm acting on behalf of an accused in a criminal matter, whether I'm acting on behalf of a child in a child protection or an adoption matter, or where I'm acting on behalf of a parent who has had their child taken away from them by the children's aid. So you know, fundamentally, I believe in personal rights and I believe I do believe in our charter of rights and the rule of law and that individual rights, the government does not have a place to uh, supersede those unless they're absolutely justified and in doing so. And that that's why I act on behalf of vulnerable people. So for me, the liberals have that approach. They have the passion and that's, that's why I'm able to proudly be, um, be a liberal today. Okay, thank you for that. Uh, the other thing I want to come back to, though, is your your um, uh, very quick introduction to politics <laughs> and yes. uh, four days prior to the election. Wow. Uh, so that is a quick turnaround. Uh, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> <What do you? laughs> no. So uh, how has it been for you so far? <laughs> Uh, you know, it, it's been, it's fast and furious, like I said, but it's yep. really enjoyable. And what what I realized when we were first in the pandemic, obviously I'm a litigator. So, so I go to court every day somewhere. I'm mm. in court on multiple files, virtually five days a week. That's just what, it, what it's like when you're a family and criminal lawyer. Yep. You're always in the courthouse. You're always negotiating in and out. It's, a, it's, an, it's action. You're not in trials every single day. Right. But the case management, that can, that is the, you know, the bread and butter, I'll say, of litigation. Right. And it's those, the negotiations, the meeting at court, you know, that energy. And when we lost going to court, I realized, you know, that was a part of me that uh, I own and I earned on my own. Um, 
and I missed it. I, the work will always be there. The, the work continues. It never ends, right? Mm. Um, people are always breaking up. They're always getting in trouble. They're always having kids. So right. that will never end. Right. Um, however, what I found you know, to miss was I missed that connection with people, with my work colleagues, with seeing everybody day in, day out. I took it for granted before, quite frankly. I'm sure so many of us did. But um, this also has really given me a chance to get back out there, meeting with people, connecting with different groups, learning about different, um, you know, religions, cultures, Mm. backgrounds, so many more people that I haven't had access to or wouldn't have had access to. And it's been an an absolute pleasure Mm. to, because I'm a social person. Mm. I like to talk. I like to see people. I like to meet with them. I Mm. like to connect. And I've really truly missed that Mm. during this pandemic. It has been a struggle and it's definitely something I notice and acknowledge within my clientele, especially where I can't meet with them in person often, or for at least for a great deal of time, there's a lot of, um, you know, processing that my clients in particular have had difficulty with uh, in terms of just not meeting in person when I've had, I've even had some trials throughout the pandemic where, pardon me, I mean, the physical presence within the courtroom has changed now because we're not seeing the same Mm. uh, body language. We're not Mm. able to connect the same way. We're all wearing masks. We're, we're within plexiglass confined to a little space. I'm not at a lectern, for example, the judge is, you know, three or four plastic plexiglass uh, partitions right. behind yeah. and it's it's for me that's um it's a real disadvantage and it's it's re- those are the losses we're suffering is that lack of connection mm. and lack of human interaction mm. Uh, just as an aside there, when you said uh, it's a, a, a disadvantage, uh, a disadvantage for both sides or a disadvantage on one side of that? I think I think it's a disadvantage on everybody. Mm. You know, I, I it's it, it's. You know, humans are meant to connect. Mm. Humans are meant to be in person. We're meant to have body language and be open or closed off to somebody. Mm. We're meant to hug. We're we're meant to shake hands. We're meant to be in in physical touch, as we know, is one of the cornerstones of, of a baby thriving. Right. is that that touch that interaction that face to face that energy between between a mother and or a parent and a child and um you know i firmly believe in that hmm. um you know allison as you we pointed out at the top of the show you are a, a band member of six nations uh you're also the liberal candidate for the brantford brant uh, as you're running in this election and uh, and so I don't need to really explain more than that when I when I when I say uh, you know the, the walking in two worlds, which you seem to be walking I think in more than that because of the kind of role that you've taken on, uh, not only as a member of Six Nations but also as a candidate for the Liberal Party. How do you balance that with yourself in terms of? you know, walking in both worlds and trying to represent uh, in terms of a, of a federal party uh, and, and politics uh, in regard to the treatment, you know, over the long term of, of history and how Canada has, has treated indig- Indigenous people. 
Well, first of all, I should I should remind uh, you know the listeners and yourself, David, or introduce my my own history. Mm. And so, I am Indigenous through my mother. My yep. mother is Mohawk. She yep. is of Six Nations, of course. She yep. was raised there, born there, and she lost her status in 1969 when she married my dad. Ironically, at the moment she married him at the Mohawk Chapel in Brantford. So, my mother. Yep lost her status, mm. could not possess land, had no yep. rights, was no longer uh, Indigenous, essentially, yep. and neither were my brother or I. Mm. So when we were, when she was reinstated, and then the first generation, this is in the late 80s, as I'm sure the listeners can appreciate, um, and my brother and I now were recognized as band members. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a legacy of colonialism. It's sure. a legacy of the Indian Act. It's mm-hmm. a legacy of genocide. Yep. And it's a legacy of continuing that killing the Indian and the child right. mentality and message from the federal government of past. Right. So, um, my own personal history is I grew up, I did not grow up on Six Nations mm-hmm. and uh, I grew up very near that, nearby mm-hmm. in uh, Simcoe, actually. I, I spent the first seven years of my life in Brant County. Then uh, my family moved to Simcoe. I was primarily in my childhood there until the end of high school and then uh, going to university and whatnot after that and returning to uh, Six Nations and Brantford area for my uh, for my legal career has mm-hmm. been rooted firmly here since I was called to the bar. However, um, you know, my life has been uh, many times, I've been in two worlds, straddling both worlds for my entire life. And I should go back to that also um, has, has been the, you know, I've not, I've been too native a lot of time for non-native mm. and to <laughs> non-native for native. So I feel that this role is I'm tailor made for it at this point in my life mm. because I've been straddling both worlds. Mm. I've been in both, you know, I've been in both. Mm. I have successfully run a rurally located business on a reserve um, for 17 years, mm. essentially, mm-hmm. and a thriving business. And I've actually, I closed once and uh, worked at legal aid for a year and a half. I left Legal Aid, came back, reopened my same office on the Six Nations because I missed private practice Mm -hmm. and I wanted to get back into my community to serve it. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't feel that I could do so when I went to try uh, working essentially for a government type job. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's taken me 10 years of lessons absolutely after that experience and learning about kind of the inner workings of what that really opened my eyes in Mm -hmm. terms of uh, government, in terms of policy, in terms of how the inner workings happen and um, branching out from there has allowed me to continue to thrive, but with more of an eye to reality and an eye that, you know, I was raised that if you work hard, you get the best grades, you're the hardest worker, you will be rewarded for that and you'll get places. And that's not necessarily true. Mm-hmm. You have to have strategy. You have to have a uh, common sense. You have to have street smarts. You have to have a lot of things as opposed to just academics. So at this point, um, I feel that I have both. I do not want to be, I do, you know, I'm not the type of person who's going to dictate what I think you should 
do. Mm-hmm. I want to be voter focused. I want to be community focused. I want to listen and hear. And I can tell you, I have reached out and met with the different councils. I've reached out to some of the land back people and met with them. I've received, you know, that's the, that's the way that you you operate. You don't come in and tell people what they're going to do because sure. that's colonialism yeah. in and of itself. Of course. Um, so I wouldn't do that anyway. But mm. secondly, that's disrespectful. My role would be to be that middle person, that that mediator, that uh, person who can bridge both worlds. And, you know, I'm often asked what, uh, you know, do you have a difficulty in having, you know, confrontational discussions and what I say is absolutely not because I have no problem telling anyone what they don't want to hear Mm. or telling somebody what the flaws are in their position because I can do so in a business way. It's not personal. We don't have to personalize these discussions. They're business discussions, but they are emotional. So I think in terms of where I'm at in my life and what my experiences bring to being an an MP and an Indigenous MP of that, um, you know, I think it's the time for, for me. Right. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. That is 106.5 in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa. I'm your host, David Moses. This is Moment of Truth. My guest here on the show is Alison McDonald. She is the Liberal candidate for Brantford Brant, but she is also a band member of the Six Nations of the Grand River Territory, and it's a pleasure to have her on the show. Talking about, uh, well, we started off by finding out why Alison decided to run in politics, why to get involved with the Liberal Party, and uh, we've moved on to... uh, discuss a number of things and, and one of the things that Allison just mentioned was that she feels ready at this point in time and and Allison I guess you know given your background and given the kind of work that you find yourself in by one having your own business uh, with family and criminal law based on Six Nations uh, and you as you said you have no problem with negotiations you have no problem with talking to people and telling them what they don't want to hear in a business fashion uh, and and making it uh, sort of very uh, uh, unharming in the way that you can say it because you're used to doing that. I guess that's one of the things that you would find yourself doing on a daily basis uh, in the kind of role that you, you have as a lawyer. So I'm guessing that helps you with this uh, this bridging of the worlds that you are are finding yourself in as you move forward. And, and, and uh, I, I guess the other thing about that is that, you know, you mentioned land back, you mentioned, and you, you know, all of those kind of things that have been going on in around uh, uh, the Caledonia area, uh, starting back with the reclamation site, uh, I guess that was 2005 or 2006 or so. Yes, and, it was. And, um, you know, so that, that, kind of, uh, that kind of voice, I guess the other thing I'm wondering about is, you said that you've only been doing this for a very short time. It was about four days before the election was called that you decided to finally run as a candidate for the Liberal Party for the Brantford Brant area. Um, but since that time, um, what has it been like for you internally within the Liberal Caucus or the Liberal Party that you have been associating with? Uh, and the reason I ask that is because, as I'm sure you know, whenever you go as an Indigenous person into a room or into an event or somewhere, uh, 
usually you're one of the few indigenous people there and all of a sudden you're the expert on everything and people want to ha- get answers from you, right? Um, how have you been finding it for yourself within the Liberal Party since you joined? I have found it full of support, um, welcoming, positive. Um, you know, it is, I, I am treated and accepted like a family member almost mm. immediately, David. I have been very humbled by many of the local women in particular, Karina Gold, Philomena Tassi, Carolyn Bennett, mm. uh, Anita Anand, Mm-hmm. extremely supportive uh, Sonia Sidhu many of the I'll say the internal in terms of the, the the employees of the Liberal Party and the people behind the scenes who we don't hear about necessarily right. the real um, drivers I'll say in terms of internal push and support I can tell you are second to none I will mention just by their first names alone the um particularly the indigenous core. Uh, there is there are two women who work within that and they are phenomenal. They're absolutely dedicated, wonderful, intelligent, insightful, and um, the advice that I am receiving and the support, honestly, these are the nicest, most sincere people in the world. Hmm. And I wouldn't I wouldn't say that if it weren't true mm-hmm. and I I wouldn't listen to it if it weren't true, quite frankly. I would stand up and say that's not right or I don't agree or I'm not saying that. So if I say something, David, I say it with conviction and with um, belief and I honestly feel it's a top-down leadership. I know so many people uh, are upset with Justin Trudeau, with our Prime Minister, and on a personal level, we've seen so much passion and emotion in this election and the campaign. And but I can tell you, when he came to Brantford, and there were, you know. I greeted him off the bus, and we went into the sociable restaurant, which welcomed. Um, welcomed us with open arms and about 30% were there for the liberals, quite frankly, who were all in the back and Mm. the front, basically 70% of the restaurant were just regular patrons who happened to be there. And Justin went around and he spoke to every single person in that establishment, Mm. the staff, babies, kids, parent, you know, every single person was spoken to prior to even going back to see the liberals who were there. Mm. And I was, he was gracious. He was kind. He was positive. And he has been incredibly supportive of me internally. Um, Carolyn Bennett and Mark Miller, of course, have been very, very supportive. And I see nothing insidious, um, or you know any ill intent i see nothing but kindness and an intention and honestly i wouldn't run as a liberal if i didn't feel that way and i quite frankly if i experienced something that were of any type of negativity or otherwise or put in a, in a, in a position where i felt uncomfortable i would i wouldn't have an issue speaking up so i feel listened to i feel cared about i feel respected and you know, I, I can honestly tell you that 
that should continue if I am elected as the MP mm. and that that respect I firmly believe is there both as a female candidate an indigenous candidate and um, a brand new candidate as well. <laughs> Very brand new. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, uh, listen, we're just about out of time, but there are so many other things that of course we could talk about just looking even at Six Nations. As you know, there's still an issue of water, fresh water on Six Nations. There's still an issue of infrastructure on Six Nations. We could talk more about the the inner workings of Six Nations, you know, the the uh, the ongoing uh, sometimes struggling relationships between the elected and the Confederacy Council. But there's all these things. But then there's the other side, which you are also representing, and that is the Brantford Brant area. And there's issues yeah. on that side. I think you mentioned something about, in, in one of the things I was reading, uh, the downtown core, which we all know about, uh, that, that is struggling and has so, some issues there. But I, I guess I'll, I'll just ask you this, as you move forward and if you are elected and, and become the Brantford Brant uh, member of, of Parliament, how, how do you uh, man, uh, intend to, to balance the issues that need the, your attention and require so much, so much work and so much attention uh, that, that need to get done, especially, you know, uh, you know, I, mean, I don't even know how to say that. It, it's, there's just so many things that need to be done. So many things on the indigenous side that have been overlooked for years and years and years. And I think that's a valid point. And, you know, realistically, I, the only promise I will make is, you know, I am, I pride myself on being a hard worker and, you know, I try to be the hardest worker in the room at all times. I try to be the most informed and, you know, so that I can end my day having given my hundred percent and no matter, you know, whether win, lose, whatever happens, I get up the next day and I do it again because I've done my best and I will bring that to this MP role. Absolutely. But obviously there will always be a balancing act. There will always be prioritizing and um, responsibilities. You know, I heard an excellent quote once about parenting and I don't want to mess it up. However, um, one being that we all, you know, my main responsibility would be my child, but, I, but he can't always be my number one priority, if that makes sense. And I've always really thought that's an insightful um, comment and an insightful way to look at life overall, not just in relation to parenting, because we all have a responsibility, we have accountability, and we have prioritizing. So, you know, it's a triage. And I think I have had to do that in my job. You know, I have to drop everything to deal with an urgent issue i literally also was just on a jail call right before i called you uh, on the zoom call david today with a client who just got arrested so mm. um you know i if i couldn't have made this meeting then i wouldn't have been able to make it and that would have been the reason because right. i was dealing with an indigenous person in custody right. so um we all have to prioritize, we have to balance it, and people need to know, from me at least, I have heard you. If you email me, I have read it, I have reviewed it, and I will get back to you. It might not be that moment, but absolutely it's on my radar, and I would treat the MP role the same as I have treated my uh, role as a lawyer. I want to be accessible to constituents, to other, other party members, to opponents. 
mm. and and open to, to receive. So that would be my position on that. I can't make a promise other than I give 100% and I will work incredibly hard and be accessible so that people know that they're heard. All right. Allison, we'll have to leave it there, but I want to thank you uh, and say uh, Nyawagoa for taking the time to join us on the show and share uh, your views uh, as you, the Liberal candidate for Brantford Brant in this election. I want to wish you all the best in the upcoming election, if it goes well. I certainly hope that we can uh, plan for another uh, session to have you back on the show and talk about about, uh, your future goals uh, and moving forward. That would be my pleasure, David. Thank you so much again for having me. I appreciate it. You bet. You take care and all the best in the election. All right. Take care. Right. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. It's Allison McDonald. She is your Liberal candidate for the Brantford Brant area. She's also a member of the Six Nations of the Grand River Territory. And it's been a pleasure to speak with her on this upcoming election, which is happening, of course, on Monday, September the 20th. Get out there and vote. I'm your host, David Moses. Don't go away. We'll be right back with more right after this on Moment of Truth. Now back to Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM. Welcome back to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. And that, of course, is 106.5 in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa. You can also listen on the iHeartRadio app if you download the app. And uh, you can listen anywhere you go. It's a pleasure to welcome back to the show for his second season, uh, premiering on the Aboriginal People's Television Network starting on September 8th. I have with me spirit talker Sean Leonard. Now, he was on last year for the first season, and I'm happy to say that it went very well. He's back. And uh, Sean, it is a pleasure to have you back on the show. Well, thank you for having me on the show, David, and thank you for all your listeners for tuning in today to uh, learn a little bit more about Spirit Talker uh, Season 2 on APTN. Mm. Now, uh, as you pointed out, you know, I had a, an opportunity to see a little bit of some of the upcoming episodes, and uh, there's a little bit of a, of a change around this season, right? You, you took a little bit of a different approach because uh, last year you were in front of a live audience. This time, you're going uh, a little more uh, subdued. You, you're doing sort of one-on-ones with people and it feels more intimate. Uh, I guess it also feels like you're going deeper. It really does feel like there is more happening uh, around you guys, if that makes any sense. Yeah. I mean, well, season one w- was great. We didn't have COVID-19. So we could yeah. do live studio audience shows yep. and just read people. And then the producers would pick like three people from that audience and mm-hmm. highlight them in the show itself. Right. So the format, because of COVID-19 this year, and we're going to different Indigenous communities uh, in Atlantic Canada, yeah. is um, there would be four families that could enter their name for a draw. Actually, everybody who was in that community could enter the name for a draw. Mm-hmm. And then the producers would actually draw from a hat, right. give them a call, and see if they were still interested in coming to be part of the show. Mm. And uh, the people that did, I would do four sessions with four different families. I would not meet them until they actually were sitting in front of me. And then, um, and then, then the producers then again, highlight two people or two families for the show itself. Hmm. So they're looking for, you know, that arc of healing or the messages that come through. So they, I mean, I don't have anything to do with that so much Hmm. as just doing what I do, but uh, it's a bit different because can't be in front of an audience, but still trying to find a way to show people how, you know, spirit communication takes place, how it yeah. comes through and the messages that can come with them and, and the profound healing that can follow it. 
Right. And of course, uh, there's a lot of that and you get a, a sense of that as you see some of these uh, some of these things that are going on. It looks quite fascinating. Congratulations to you and the team. Um, well, thank you. Thank and, you. The, you know, the other thing, not uh, beyond the stories that uh, that you get to see of these personal people's lives as you delve into that side of it. Um, the other thing, of course, you're doing is that is pointed out a couple of things. One, you're you're on your own sort of um, cultural journey that that you're learning around your own culture, and that's one of the things. But you're you're taking us to these absolutely beautiful communities and these First Nations out on the East Coast. Yeah, I mean that's the best one of the best parts of the show. I mean, you yeah. get to experience profound healings that are taking place. Yep through the messages that come through in the sessions that uh, are provided for those people. But I'm also on a journey of discovering my indigenous culture as, you know, I wasn't raised on a reserve myself, yeah, yeah. although I um, very proud Mi'kmaq person here in Nova Scotia, Canada. Um, my grandmom also was not raised. She was actually born in Newfoundland in a Mi'kmaq community. But when she was born, um, there was no reserves in Newfoundland. Newfoundland wasn't even part of Canada when my grandma was born. Oh. And uh, she she married a, a, a Caucasian fisherman and had 16 children and became very disconnected from her identity. And in a sense, lost her language and forgot most of the culture that was shared with her from her ancestors and the mm. people that she was uh, uh, raised with and when she was young. So growing up, uh, even though I lived very near uh, an indigenous community here in Nova Scotia, I, you know, I had, I didn't have as much knowledge as I would like to have about who I am. Hmm. And that's part of my journey is to go through these communities, but also learn something about myself and my culture and my connection to it all. Hmm. And, uh, and I, that's like one of my favorite parts because I get to meet so many incredibly great people and I get to learn some awesome things like yeah. this year, like canoe making. Yeah. And, or, uh, you know, uh, quill work and things yeah, like that. So yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's really, really cool that I can, that this, this is happening for me in that sense. And I, you know, the audience who are tuning in are going on that adventure with me. Yeah. And they, they get to learn what I'm learning on my journey. And it's, it's super cool because there's a lot of people that I feel like kind of are in my, let's so to say, boat in mm -hmm. a sense where, you know, they've been, they've moved away from their community or they're, they moved away when they're young or they just didn't have a connection to their culture and they've never had that opportunity to kind of learn. So I think the show is, is a great way to kind of experience that as well. Uh, yeah, I would agree. And not only that, the other thing I would say that you're adding is, you know, well, obviously, there's the, there's the education the, uh, of what you're learning around the communities. Uh, uh, and then, then there's that travel side of things, because you're getting to see these wonderful areas that people may want to, once things uh, start to open up, may want to travel to and visit. And um, there's a, I think there's another side, and, and it's more of the, uh, the economic side, which is these, you know, that Labrador family that makes these incredibly, uh, incredible canoes. Wow. Uh, you know, that's something. I'm sure that that uh, could be something that if, if somebody's really into canoes and would want one uh, traditionally made, they'd love to get a hold of that family and, and have them ma make one for them. Oh, absolutely. Todd is a good friend of mine. And yeah. uh, and I know, I mean, I've known Todd for years. And the fact that I was able to go out with him, uh, yeah. have him be part of the show. Yeah. Uh, was something that I kind of wanted to have him part of the show just because, you know, he's such an artisan mm -hmm. and he has, he has a skill that I've never seen 
anywhere else matched by any, any other indigenous person in Canada. And I don't know everybody, so I can't speak sure. <laughs> for, for everybody. But for me, uh, you know, Todd being his local uh, local fellow in Nova Scotia, I know that he's um, built birch bark canoes right. for the Ottawa Museum and such like this, the yeah. Natural History Museum. Right. And I feel he, he's actually been called to different parts of the countries mm. to, uh, within Canada to also teach about canoe building. Um, what, it's a great skill and honor to have him on the show and uh, to kind of highlight his abilities and his knowledge mm. in uh, building bridge bread canoes as well. Mm-hmm. During these these sessions uh, that you hold with these families, why is it, do you think, we have to go turn to people like yourselves, which is wonderful that you are able to do this, don't get me wrong. I'm just wondering, because family members are close to these people, uh, how is it, do you think, that that family are not able to make that connection or not able to have that somehow? Well, a big part of my work is one validation uh, from spirit of who they are and how they're connected. But another a huge part of it is the healing. Mm. And I, I mean, I don't negate anybody that is a psychologist, a therapist, a yep. psychiatrist or anybody out there. I think, you know, the creator made all kinds of people to sure. kind of serve people in different ways. But I feel like, um, it, let's just speak of the toaster for a second. Yeah, okay. Um, it's an odd thing, and you maybe not know why, because, uh, you know, from the clip on, on the season two trailer, yeah. Yeah. which is on my uh, Facebook, or um, on my YouTube channel, which you can everybody can go there and watch. Um, you know, they often take me to places where a person hasn't healed. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there's a backstory to this. And of course. I don't yeah. want to ruin it all because I want people to watch the show. Absolutely. But, uh, Unfortunately, um, you know, as it will come out, that that young girl um, was assaulted in Uh, life, sexually assaulted for several years by somebody Mm. who cannot be named. But uh, anyway, um, she struggled in life and she often hurt herself. Mm. And I connected to a friend of hers that had taken her own life. Mm. And, um, and she was really struggling with the loss of her friend. And I believe that the girl that I was speaking to had even had several attempts of taking her own life as well mm. because of what she endured. Mm. Um, and she used to hurt herself with the toaster. Mm. And her friend had brought that up to me. You know, in all my 25 plus years of doing this work, it's the first time I've ever seen anybody ever show me that. Mm. Show me a toaster. And then when... Because I don't, I'm the middle person. I'm the sure. medium. I'm the spirit talker. I don't yeah. always know why spirit is taking me to a certain thing. Right. But to that person, it means something. Sure. And to that young lady who is very beautiful and very bright light, um, incredibly um, spiritually connected in her own right, in her own ways, um, you know, parts of ceremonies with her mom and such like this. Mm-hmm. But. Nobody knows how she struggled, Hmm. but her friend in spirit does. And she thinks that no one knows these things. Right. Then when spirit comes through with such a message, taking me to an area, they, they, the reason why they take me there is because this is where she's hurting. Yes. This is the pain in her life that I may be able to help her move through. And maybe with working with spirit, we're help her move to a better, more healed place of acceptance. Yes. And uh, compassion for herself and forgiveness if she's carrying anything that may be in regards to the pain that she endured in life because she has guilt, uh, which she shouldn't be carrying. Hmm. So when I connect to her friend who had lost her life um, because of 
choosing to take her own life because of a similar circumstance. Her friend came through and, and went right, you know, said a few things to make sure that she knew uh, she was guiding me to the place where I needed to help this young girl. Mm, right. And um, this was a secret that nobody knows. Right. Yes, and uh, yes. I mean, obviously you can see by the shock in her face that yeah. it, uh, it, it, it profoundly affected her and her mom and her both look at each other and they know exactly what yeah. I'm talking about. Yeah. 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 And, and the, and the reason why spirit would take me there is again, can I help them heal there? Can spirit work with me to help them heal because they're struggling? And that's the real reason that spirit comes through with people is one, there's validation, but people hang on to energy. Even though you're connected to your people, there might be one person that you didn't get to see just before right. they passed away, or you didn't know they were sick. And, you know, you're carrying the guilt of miss, thinking that you missed something in regards to prior to their passing, whether it was, you know, a, you know, a suicide or somebody who was dying of a different illness and, you know, we can beat ourselves up mm. Mm. and we carry that energetic, uh, let's call it a, a weight within our spirit. And uh, it's a heavy weight that weighs on us over time. Right. And sometimes people could, and I, I do suggest everybody that struggles in certain ways to, you know, spirit talkers, mediums are great, but you know, a good counselor, a good therapist, a good psychologist could also really, really help. Yeah. And, um, and I actually have, like when I used to do sessions here in Nova Scotia, I mean, I have probably about eight to 10 psychologists, therapists uh, who are clients of mine, <laughs> but they also reference their clients to me. Sure. When they feel like that they can't reach somebody in a yep. certain way. Yep. So they would say, you know, my therapist had mentioned that I should come see you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's because they're, they're, they're not able to heal in a certain area of life because of a loss. Right. So that's why, um, you know, certain stories or certain people um, can benefit from um, a connection like that. Yes. One, um, knowing that, you know, spirit is absolutely real. They exist. They continue on. They can communicate. They still have memories and they still care about you. Mm -hmm. Um, They see that you are struggling. They are no longer struggling where they are, but they see that you struggle and they don't want to watch us struggle here in the world. Yeah. They want to see us live our best lives. Yeah. yeah. And if they can move you from a, 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 a point of pain to healing, um, that's why they work through me in that way. And I feel, you know, super honored. I super blessed by spirit that they trust me to do my best with the information that they give me as I do, because I, that's how I approach it. I approach it from kindness, compassion, you know, love, unconditional love with no fear, no judgment. No matter what anybody says to me or what they've been through, what they, they've gone through, what they've experienced. I mean, we're all human, you know, living hopefully our best lives. But yeah. there's a lot of people that are here just getting by because of a loss or right. uh, something that they've gone through, a trauma. Yeah. And oh, they've lost people. And it's, it, you know, it weighs on a lot of people. Yep. And, and the coolest thing about a show uh, like Spirit Talker is – that there's a lot of stories that re- will resonate with a lot of people for different reasons. Yeah. You know, not everybody comes on the show has the same story. I mean, there's a lot of people that have lost their mom and they just want to connect. Yeah. But then there's a, there's certain messages that come through for certain people that will resonate with them while they're viewing the show. Mm-hmm. And yep. even though they're not really having a session with me person, yes, they're able to 
maybe look at their life differently, look at their grief differently, look at maybe healing differently. And uh, it helps them move into a better space of life. Right. Yes, nicely said. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. This is Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. My guest is Sean Leonard. He is the host and also the medium or spirit talker of the show Spirit Talker that is on APTN and it will be premiering on its second season on September the 14th and 15th uh, of this year. And it's going to be at 8 p.m. Eastern Time as well as Mountain Time. And uh, Sean is here talking about the new season. Uh, He, of course, is a Nova Scotia-based Mingamau medium, and uh, he was on the show last year for his first season as well, and it's a pleasure to have Sean back on the show. Uh, and, and you know, Sean, as you were talking there, um, you know, that healing side of what you were talking about, uh, I, I'm wondering, have do you ever get uh, contacted by by people that you've ha- had helped in the past uh, and hear from them about how their lives have moved forward? Yeah, I, I get a lot of messages thanking me, you know, saying that I've, I've changed their life. You know, it's, mm. you know, when I get a message saying how I profoundly affected somebody's life, it, 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 it it's incredibly rewarding and I feel very good. And, I, and I'm just joyfully happy that I'm, I'm doing the work that I do. Yep. And because I, I take it like super seriously, a lot of people think that, you know, spirit talking or mediumship or things like that is like some people think it's hokey pokey. Sure. But, you know, maybe if you've never had the experience or, or whatever, or maybe you've never really had proof for yourself or you've never been affected by some of the messages that have come through from the spirit world for yourself or whoever, I mean, you'll never know. Hmm. Um, but maybe watching Spirit Talk will help you see that um, how beneficial um, this work is for people. And I get, I get messages all the time. Right. And um, mostly from people from the show now, because I don't uh, personally do any sessions anymore because my right. life is crazy. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just busy between, I'm now filming season three in Ontario and Quebec right now. <laughs> Great. And uh, I'm, I'm back home for the month of September, but I'm going back out to finish season three. Right. But, uh, you know, uh, it's been quite the journey. Yeah. You know, I'm a human. I'm, I can only uh, serve so many people in life. Yes. And, um, you know, I also have an online course where I help people develop called Spirit Talker Tribe. And mm. the reason why I do that, too, which I give a lot of energy to, as well as uh, Spirit Talker TV show, is that I'm only one person. There mm. needs to be other people out there mm. understanding how this process works so right. that other people can be reached, you know, outside of my person. Yes. I'm not the only one that is connected. Mm. I, and I, and, I, and it's, I think it's super important to help people realize this is attainable for everyone if you try. I'm glad you said that. It was a question I was going to ask you about. And I think we may have discussed that before, and I, and I apologize if I've forgotten. But, but I'm wondering, could you share a little bit about how you first became aware of your ability in this area? What, what happened that triggered or made you aware that this is something that you could help people with? Well, I started a spiritual journey. My, well, the first thing that I, I mean, my whole life has been a little strange. Just, mm. to, say, just to make that a note. I've had spirits with me when I was a young boy. Usually my great-grandparents, nothing too, uh, too scary, anything like that at yeah. all. And then my dad just passed away when I was 15 years old. And I had an incredible visitation with him when I was 16. Mm. And I detail all that into my book. 
But as I got into my 20s, because I'm 49 right now, in my, my early 20s, I started to become more spiritual. And I was looking and searching for something bigger than religion. Not mm. anything against religion, but right. I just, I wanted to like walk a spiritual path in life. And, and I started to just pray more and just like have conversations with spirit. Mm. I started to then meditate. And, uh, and then I started to become more intuitive. And I didn't really know I was a psychic medium or a spirit talker. I just thought I was like everyone else. And it was, uh, <laughs> you know, things started to happen where I would know things about people. And I thought it was kind of odd. And then I thought for a little while I might be a mind reader. <laughs> right. <laughs> because, I mean, huh. how could you know unless sure. there's some way to really prove that yeah. this is coming from somewhere? And it was yeah. actually a guy I worked with named Orhan. I started to tell him about my experiences and a great guy. And uh, one day I was sitting at my computer in Calgary, working, uh, doing bills and materials AutoCAD for an office furniture company. And I started to hear a voice in my head. And the voice just said, Charlie. And it just said, Charlie, over and over again. I thought, okay, great. I'm schizophrenic. <laughs> and to be honest, I wasn't sure what was happening. And because uh, it wasn't a voice that I heard. It was like a thought that came into my mind. And it didn't seem, it wasn't telling me to do anything bad. It was a kind voice. Yep. I thought, okay, this is really strange. Now, you know, prior to all that, I never heard any voices before. Hmm. And then I looked at Oram because I was going to tell him that I was going to leave work because it wasn't feeling well. I was just a little off and uh, because of hearing this voice. And uh, when I looked at him, it stopped. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is very uniquely different. <laughs> yeah. So I thought, okay, well, I'm a mind reader. This is what's happening. Orham's thinking about a guy named Charlie. And he's doing something with him on the weekend. And I'm, I'm going to ask him about Charlie mm. to clarify what's really happening with me. Mm. So I asked him and I said, Dorian, you, I got a really strange question for you, but do you know a guy named Charlie? And he stopped and he looked at me and he turned and he goes, I used to know a guy named Charlie. I'm like, what do you mean you used to know a guy? Well, he's passed away now. I'm like, oh, okay. And then I just wanted to change the subject. Yeah. And then I got a picture in my mind. It is of a bar in Calgary called the Town and Country Bar. And I've, I've seen the bar because I've been to that bar before, and it's a big T and C sign mm. for the Town and Country Bar. Mm -hmm. And it just flashed into my head like a picture, like I was remembering a bit, but there'd be no reason why I'd be remembering it this time. Right. I said, that's so weird. Why would I see the Town and Country Bar sign? He goes, what did you say? I said, I just saw the Town and Country Bar sign in my mind. He goes, that's the last place Charlie was seen alive. I'm like, what? <laughs> mm. And I was like, and he goes, yeah. I, and I mean, you don't have to be psychic to know when somebody says you were last seen somewhere that yeah. something happened to you. Right. I didn't know what happened. Right. But then I had another image uh, of this man who was kind of darker skinned fellow. And uh, he walked down a set of stairs and into this kind of basement apartment. And I asked Orion, I said, do you know what this means? And I saw a few people with him, And uh, he says, nope, don't know what that means. I'm like, are you sure? Because I was pretty clearly seeing it in my mind. Mm. He goes, no, because I, who told you this? And he was very skeptical because he's a good friend of mine. Yeah. No, I've, he's already been asking me about some of the things that I told him. Yeah. But he said, who put you up to this? I'm like, I, nobody, Norhan. I said, like, he goes, how did you know this guy? He goes, well, his name's not even Charlie. It's Achari. <laughs> and I used to work with him at the airport like five or six years ago. I'm like, I said, Orhan, I mean, not to be, you know, uh, 
a sinecure of what you're saying, but just think about this. I didn't even know you worked at the airport five or six years ago. How am I supposed to know you, a, a guy that you work with named Achari, nicknamed Charlie, that, you know, somehow disappeared at the town of Country Bar? How am I supposed to put all that together? And he says, I don't know. He says, but, you know, whoever put you up to this, it, it, it's just not cool, he said. <laughs> I said, you know what, let's just drop it. <laughs> and I said, fine. And he never, he never bugged me anymore, which was kind of nice. But um, about a month or so later, I came into work and I always picked up the Calgary Sun paper because I was a big uh, Calgary Flames fan and I always wanted to check with the Flames scores. And I would be flipping through the paper for the scores and I'd come across a story about an unsolved murder of a guy named Achari, wow. nicknamed Charlie, who was last seen at the town of Country Bar. And then they had a picture of where he was found, uh, unfortunately, murdered in this downstairs basement apartment at this address. And they had, and it was like the exact picture I saw in my wow. mind. Mm. So Orin comes in and he sits down and I put the paper in front of him and I say, Orin, read this. I'm circling things, underlying and things. I'm circling the picture of the house. And he's like, what are you trying to say? I didn't do anything. I wasn't even in the country when this happened. <laughs> I'm like, no, Orin. I said, you see that house? Remember I talked to you about knowing something about going into this downstairs basement apartment? He go he, well. He said at first. He said no. I don't remember any of that. Right. I said baloney. I, I I used a different word, but I'll yeah, use yeah. baloney here. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, well, maybe I do. He goes, why <laughs> is this so important to you? He says, why won't you let this go? I said, I said, do you see the secretness in all this and me connecting this guy? Now there's a story in the paper. And I said, did you know this part? about going downstairs into the basement apartment place and the address of where he was found because I did not. I said, I need you to swear in somebody's life here, Oran. I need you to like promise me like that you did not, because this is very important thing that you're, we're talking about here. I'm going to tell you, Oren, I think I'm a mind reader and I don't know what's happening with me, but if you didn't know this, then it came from somewhere else. Hmm. And he said, man, he says, who do I have to swear? And I said, your kid's life, your wife's life. And he goes, man, I'll never swear my kid's life. Just in case I <laughs> I heard it and I don't remember. But he says, I could probably swear my wife's life. <laughs> <laughs> Funny backstory, him and his wife came to my show probably about 10 years ago in Calgary. And I usually tell that story because that was my aha yeah. moment. Yeah. It was the moment that made me realize that what I was seeing, feeling, hearing, on kind of, I was being told a story by, and it felt like a person who was telling me about themselves. Yeah, yeah. But if he didn't know, then where is that coming from? Yeah. How is that coming to me? And I, I mean, I could then at that moment, and I did write a book called The Language of Spirit. Uh, the reason why I titled it that is because I felt I learned a language of communication. Mm. And it was through my inner seeing, my inner hearing, my inner feeling, my inner sensing. Um, and there's fancy words to describe these things like clairvoyance, clairsentience, sure. clairaudience, claircognance. I didn't know what those meant mm. because I, I didn't, it wasn't part of my vocabulary. Sure. But it was like spirit had then started to talk to me in a way and communicate to tell me about themselves. Right. And I did get information to the police in Calgary about that many years later before I wrote my book. But, um, you know, it was a moment that shifted my life profoundly. Yeah. Because then I realized 
this wasn't my imagination. This wasn't in something in someone else's head. This was coming to me from somewhere else. Mm. And, and it feels like they're people. Whether they're physically alive or alive in spirit, they are able to still communicate. Right. And that led me on a whole journey. And it, it, it's, it hasn't stopped. And, right. you know, I, I feel like we all have a purpose in life. Mm-hmm. And I feel like doing what I'm doing is fulfilling my purpose. Yeah. Uh, Sean, just before we finish up, <laughs> just one, one last question here. If you, and you, sure. I don't know if you can sum this up quickly. What have you learned so far about the spirit world? Well, I know it overlays our own world. It's energetic like an aura above our own world. There's okay. no place that it isn't. Okay. Um, I see trees. I see birds. I see animals. Uh, mm. I've been connected by profound animals, even my own totem animal, the polar bear, mm. um, that has showed up in a dream. Um, but I, there, there's people from all walks of time mm. uh, on the other side. Mm. I do believe in reincarnation. Right. I do believe that we do have an opportunity to come back into the physical world again when we're ready. But most of our ancestors will stay on the other side until we make it back home. Mm. And then decisions like that aren't made once again. But right. it's, uh, it's as beautiful as the world is. <laughs> it's as beautiful there, if not greater. Uh, very nice. Sean, fascinating speaking with you. Thank you so much, uh, Jimmy Gwetch and Nyawargo, for taking the time to join us on the show and talk about Season 2 of The Spirit Talker, which is premiering on the Aboriginal People's Television Network, APTN, Wednesday, September the 14th, and I think you said 15th. It's going to be both in English and Mi'kmaq, correct? That is correct. Yeah, 14th is Mi'kmaq, 15th is English. Okay, and people can see that at 8 p.m. Eastern Time and Mountain Time uh, weekly on APTN. Sean Leonard, he is the host and the spirit talker in the show Spirit Talker that is on APTN. Thank you for listening, and we will see you again tomorrow right here on Moment of Truth. This has been Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM.